G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Right, I've even made my own opener for this. This will sound really ordinary. So the idea for this came about, and I know there's always been sliding doors segments and things like that, but I came across that Marvel show, What If... Uh, I like those Marvel movies, and uh, I'd never read comics as a kid, but I do like these movies, and I saw Disney Plus had a a, a what if. So essentially all the Marvel characters, uh, what would happen, what if certain events in those movies turned out to have gone another way or turned out to be differently? Um, And it gave me a bit of an idea to do that as a segment for football. So I've even stolen their opener and done some really ordinary uh, editing to do our own opener for footy what if. Space, reality, it's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities. Creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am Sam Hargraves. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question. What if? Oh, what about that? (laughs) Just A-grade audio engineering. Wonderful stuff. So we've stolen that from the Marvel show, but this is all about what if. So we take a moment in football time uh, and we turn it on its head. And if it didn't happen, what would have happened? What What would the ramifications have been if certain decisions weren't made, if certain things didn't happen? Uh, And you can nominate any of these you'd like us to explore, um, especially over the off-season of footy. But footy what if tonight? Um, What if certain things didn't take place? What would have happened? What would that have meant for the clubs involved, for the players involved? What would have meant for the the landscape of the competition at that time? So the first one we're going to do tonight is what if Fremantle and Hawthorne didn't reach an agreement? to trade the number one pick in the 2001 draft. Hawthorne have said that this draft was, and it's and the 2001 draft is considered the greatest draft of all time. And Hawthorne have said that this was the draft that laid the bedrock for success in 08, 13, 14, 15. What, would, what if that trade never got agreed to? What if Luke McFarlane and Trent Crowed Never got traded to Fremantle for pick 1, 20, and 36. Trent Crowe had just hit the post in the prelim against Essendon. Would have put Hawthorne back within a couple of points, maybe three points, and a chance to go back to the middle to get another clearance. They were coming. And would they have gone on to play uh, Hawthorne, uh, gone on to play the Brisbane Lions in the 2001 grand final? That's another what if for another time. But this what if, what if Hawthorne never got pick 1, which they used to take Luke Hodge? Pick 20 was Daniel Elston. A little bit insignificant to this, but pick 36 was Sam Mitchell. So that's Hawthorne's last four premierships and the captains of those. Their last two premiership captains came in that draft. Luke Hodge, a two-time Norm Smith medalist, Sam Mitchell, a Brownlow medalist. In that draft as well, Hawthorne took Campbell Brown with pick 32. Rick Ladson at pick pick 16, who kicked the sealer in the 2008 draft. And they took Simon Cox as well. Would those two players have ended up at Hawthorne if they hadn't been able to trade for those three picks, 1, 20, and 36. And what would it have meant for Fremantle to not do that deal and maybe take those picks to the draft? Or was there another team that was eager to get their number one pick and what were they going to give? 
So Fremantle at the end of 2001 had actually sacked their coach, Damien Drum. They'd only won two games for the year. They got a priority pick. The first three picks in the 2001 draft were all priority picks. And Fremantle had pick four as well. So Cameron Schwab had just arrived at the club at the end of the 2001 season. He'd come uh, from Richmond, the youngest ever CEO, I reckon, at the age of uh, 24. He's going to join me uh, uh, just after this ad break. Chris Connolly hadn't been uh, appointed yet, who incidentally came from Hawthorne. He actually coached Hawthorne in round 17 of that year. That was the game Ben Dixon kicked the goal after the siren to beat Carlton. Cameron Schwab just arrives and he has to do this deal and make this decision to do something that Fremantle had been criticised a lot for, what they'd done at trade period. They hadn't got Andrew McLeod when they could have. They gave up the rights to Matty Lloyd and Scott Lucas. So there's all this history to do and they were six years into theirs and they'd made some big errors when it came to trade. And this was a big, bold move. So on the other side of this, in our first edition of Footy What If on the Sporting Capital, Cameron Schwab is going to come on and we'll ask him those questions. He'll set the scene of where Fremantle were at, what was behind the decision, and then we'll ask him what if it wasn't Hawthorne? Was it going to be another club they were going to do a deal with? Or what would they have done if they had taken those picks to the draft and what might it have meant for their short and long-term future. We'll do that on the other side of this. Uh, welcome back to the Sporting Capital. Really excited uh, for this uh, next bit of uh, this next segment that we're about to undertake. The question, what if? Uh, we're going to do this uh, over the next little while, and you can nominate some uh, occurrences over the history of AFL that you would like to would like us to investigate. What if they didn't actually happen the way that they did? Uh, and I'd love you to get involved in this. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The number to call, 0433981116. You're going to need to let your mind wander. And, and it doesn't have to, you don't just have to be a Hawthorne or a Fremantle fan for this week because our what if this week is what if Frio and Hawthorne never did that deal for the number one pick in the 2001 draft? What if that never happened? What would that have meant? We'll speak, we're going to speak to major players uh, in those decisions or in those occurrences or in those moments in history, but allow your mind to wander. And it might have even been from your club's perspective. What would it have done to your footy club? What might it have meant for them if Hawthorne and Frio never, ever made that trade? And we're going to start off uh, from the Fremantle side of things. Peter Schwab's going to join us after eight uh, to talk to us uh, from a Hawthorne perspective. He was the coach of the Hawks at the time. And his first cousin, Cameron Schwab, the youngest ever CEO of an AFL team. He was CEO of three of them. His second posting was at the Fremantle Dockers. He arrived there at the end of 2001. And the place, fair to say, was in a spot of bother in just their sixth season uh, and he went to work and and this uh, big deal was put together and he's been good enough to jump on the line with us Cameron hello to you G'day how are you going well oh, I'm really it's well a, it's a big story in uh, reflection isn't it over 20 years ago which is terrifying in many ways but it is <laughs> um, but it is uh, it's it's 20 years on but it's it's actually still quite vivid in my mind I must admit so paint the picture for us, Cam, and I really appreciate you doing this. And, and, and uh, I know that um, there's been different reactions to this over the course of history, but I'm really, I think what we're trying to do tonight is talk about what might have happened if that didn't happen. So I thank you for coming on and humouring me with this esoteric sort of um, <laughs> mind-wandering. Um, where were Fremantle at when you got there? What was going uh... on? Well, they'd, they'd only won two games that year. They'd actually lost, I think, 17 or 18 in a row from, from memory. They won two of the last, I think, four, maybe three or four games. They went most of the season. And uh, Damien Drum had been sacked as coach during the course of the year. And uh, Ben Allen had, had stepped in. But the club was also in a it was in terrible financial position as well. And, and it was really, in many ways, 
uh, sort of the dud brother in and it was seen as that you know in terms of WA footy and and so the club had lost a lot of money uh, it never really played in front of big crowds or anything like that the derbies were obviously big but other than that there was there was no I think the average attendance was about 14 or 15,000 even for you know when you think of it and reflecting now on what you know magnificent stadium they've got over there and they they pretty much feel yeah, most times. Uh, so the club was in, it was a very different club in a very different space. And, but probably a, a part of its backstory also was that it had had no history in recruiting and retaining um, Victorian players or, or players outside of WA, really. And, and that played into our thinking even at that time that, um, that early draft picks, Jeff White had come back, which I was actually involved with at Melbourne. You know, funny enough, I was involved in his recruitment in the first place and then involved in his recruitment coming back to Melbourne. And then, and Heath Black had actually actually made a call that year, and he was a he was a first round pick, you know, a couple of years earlier, and was just coming into his prime. And so that that sat in the back of our mind about how how we go about, you know, what we do. And we had choices one and four in that in that draft, and uh, and we also had, um, and it's interesting because I, I spoke, I caught up with Matthew Pavlich recently about this that. Um, there was real fear that we we're going to lose Matthew Pavlich, who, who was in about his second or third year, I reckon, at that time. Yeah, drafted in '99, so, he was. Yeah, so I think he'd probably played, and he he ends up being a very different player to what he looked like he was going to be. And it was actually um, through Chris Connolly and his athletics background, a guy Adam Larkham, who recognised his running ability, and he became a mid, you know, backman then midfielder because um, he was quite a, you know, he's obviously a very big guy, mm. and. Uh, and so we basically saw it as an opportunity. Um, we had a number of priorities that we were, were looking to land. Uh, we wanted to also bring some energy to the place. That was a big part of it as well. Fremantle was seen as a club that couldn't, you know, recruit, you know, and and it, it really was very much seen as, as as almost incidental to the competition was the the feeling that we had. And 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 part of the the overall sense of it was if we could actually have a really productive period, hoping that you would never find yourself in a situation again where you had these early picks, that uh, that we could actually turn around not just the, obviously the team itself, but the perception of the club. And uh, we had, um, and, it, and everyone talks about the big three players as it turned out, but for most people it was actually, there was a fourth player in that, and that was Graham Polak. Mm. And because he doesn't end up having the career as the other guy's, you know, for a whole variety of reasons, and in the end, quite a tragic reason. Yeah. Um, we actually had, uh, we saw it as an opportunity coming into the draft to really, if we had some chance of retaining Pavlich, which at that stage was unlikely, uh, the opportunity of bringing in McFarlane, bringing in Polak, bringing in Trent Crowe, we'd pretty much lock away our key positions for the next, you know, 10, 10 years. And that was a feeling. And also the thought was, you know, and, and pretty much in our, in, in going around and talking to, you know, the players who were obviously the highest rated players in that in that year's draft. There, there was not, there was, um, well, so there was no, there was no one actually ever said to us, look, I'm not coming. Uh, it was pretty much, you know, we understood that it was going to be very difficult to to retain, uh, to retain any of the, you know, and actually we had Luke Ball rated ahead of Chris Judd coming into that draft as well. So that was, mm, which that was is, just how, yeah. Which is what the Saints uh, had as well. And and when I've looked back on getting ready for this chat, Cameron, I, Chris Judd, 
had said that before the draft, Hawthorne said, we won't be taking you. St Kilda had said, we won't be taking you. He admitted himself that he had said that he wasn't keen to go to, to, to go out of Victoria, but West Coast yeah. just rolled the dice anyway. So your mail is absolutely right on that. He's admitted that. Um, John Beveridge had said that they saw Luke Ball as the best prospect as, as an on-baller in that draft. So the what-if yeah. component for you, the first question I've got for you, if that deal doesn't get done with Hawthorne, was there another club that were lining up to give you a King's Ransom for that number one pick? Was there a, a plan B in terms of trading it? No. No, we, we would have just taken Polak at one. That's that's how it would have played out. And we would have taken whoever was next at, at four. And uh, so we would have just, it just would have been, it would have played out in that way. And there might have been another trade done for choice four. So our priorities coming into that was to get Luke McFarlane. That was, he was our number one priority. And to get Jeff Farmer in. They were the two priorities coming into that. And obviously, you know, we, we didn't have, um, it, it's interesting because Hawthorne had Hodge rated higher. He, he's been talked about as the, as one of the big three as, and as it obviously has an amazing career. So, it, you know, Hawthorne's choice on him was vindicated, but that wasn't universal that he was, mm. he was in that. I, I think we had him, I think, five or six from memory. And so and that that was, you know, when you talk to clubs and because you do talk to, you know, you do talk. And I, I came in quite late into it as well. So we, yeah. we really, we really, um, we had a lot to do quickly. We didn't have a coach at the time. Uh, Hawthorne's coached by Peter Schwab, who's my cousin. Yes. Um, I'm speaking to David Parkin about two potential coaching candidates at the time, and he's their sort of director of football at the time because he had first-hand experiences with both John Walswold mm. and Chris Connolly, who are two guys I'm thinking of, you know, we're interviewing to coach our football club. Yep. Uh, Chris Connolly's, you know, part of the conversation as it related to, you know, you know, you know Hawthorne and Trent Road in during the course of the year in his role because he was an assistant coach. So he actually coached a game during that year as well because he was, um, when Peter Schwab was, was crook for a game, he actually coached Hawthorne to a winning game. Ben Dixon yep. kicks goal after Around the Around 17, Simon. I remember so, it well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually at that game because um, I'm, it's in the, it's at the, there's a thought, I don't know what you can actually do by watching a guy coach. I was actually in the grandstands, but it was, you know, I, I had a feeling that I might end up taking the Frio role at the time. So I'd mm. started working on it probably six or seven weeks before the end of, before the, the appointment was made just to prepare myself for it. And so I was doing all the homework that you do. And, uh, and then I watched a prelim where Trent Crowe has a shot for goal actually and hits the post. Hits and the they post, actually, yep. yeah. And uh, so he, he's very much, you know, that goal, that guy, that game could have gone either way. And that was, uh, you know, that was potentially Hawthorne had a you know a real run at the premiership that year. So mm. they 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 were actually flying at the time, and and we were doing and Fremantle were the exact opposite of that. And so the choice, and in the end, it was getting Luke McFarlane in. We also had the first choice in the pre-season draft, so it could have been that one of them fell through, and uh, but but we ended up doing the trade, which was um, mm. which was McFarlane and Crowed for the choices that we did. But but Luke was really the was the priority, and we, you know, he ends up being a terrific player. Obviously, Trent only yep. plays a couple of years, um, but ends up having a terrific career. Probably would have played another three or four had he not hurt his ankle in the hurt his yeah the foot, his foot injury, his yeah. yeah. So, Cameron, um, with, with with those picks, it's fascinating now to know that there wasn't a second suitor. So you take those picks to the draft. No. 
You've, you've said unequivocally that Graham Polak would have been your number one. We know the Saints wanted yeah. ball at two and, and Judd was going to go to West Coast at three. So you've got pick four, which um, I'm, I'm fascinated to know because you said it, it might not have been Luke Hodge. Xavier Clark went at five to St Kilda. Ash Sampy went at yeah. six to West Coast. Now, you took Paul Medhurst in that draft as a small forward, but Ashley Sampy was there at six. And then it went David Hale, Jimmy Bartell, Luke Mole and Sam Powell ran out the top ten. So who would you have taken at four? I'm not sure, not sure, because it never once you really hadn't had that conversation. Once, yep. once you've actually, once you've actually worked it through, we part of the deal was we do the deal because we realise we can get Pollock at four. Yep. So, so for us, we're, we're we're effectively whilst whilst it's number one in name, it's number four for us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, yeah. So we're we've even that, and that was a big part of the whole the whole thinking that we. If we worked out the Polak, if Hawthorne come in, what that does is it pushes Polak out to four because Hodge comes into the mix. So it all so, sort of so fell quite nicely for, for what you wanted in the player that you had at the number one of your list um, going into that yeah. draft. The other thing that you did yeah. in that preseason was, you said, getting in Jeff Farmer. Um, and, and you gave pick 17 up for that, which ended up being James Kelly. Yeah. Uh, to the that yeah, pick goes, found its way around. to the I cats. I think it has. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes has about ten homes. It though, did. It? Yeah, and it finds its way to the yeah. cats, and they take James Kelly, yeah. a three-time premiership player. So there's so many yeah. machinations that that could have occurred with this. Um, but for you, yeah. definitely Polak would have been taken at pick one if you had have had it, and you're unsure of who you might have taken it for. Well, we, we never had the conversation, yeah. so that that would have been then the next debate. You know, do you take a chance on one of the Victorian kids? Do you? You know, do you work out? You know, because it, it was a it was a genuine thing for Fremantle at that time. You know, that if you're trying to build a team, you've got you've got potentially your best player or the player who's emerging quickly is your best player. Who actually, who, Matthew Pavlich rings me in the middle of trade week, who I've only met for a minute, and says, "If you get an opportunity to trade me, can you?" Wow. And so this is and the thing. So, and this is what I wanted to touch on. So that's pivotal to this whole decision that you're thinking that this guy yeah. who ends up being the greatest docker of all time. He's gone. Yeah. Oh, it was a hype. Yeah, we, 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 and I remember saying, just give us 12 months to prove ourselves. Yeah. And he signs in about, I think he signs in middle of the next year. Yeah. And, and he makes the All-Australian team as a backman the yes. following year. Yeah. Um, and that's, and we knew that we weren't going to get much out of Luke McFarlane the next year because he was coming off a bad groin. Graham Pollock was the skinny kid. And um, the other player who was in the mix, which was important, was uh, Troy Simmons as well. Yeah, that was a Daniel Bandy trade, he and Troy Simmons. Yeah, were. yeah. So that was – and so they were really priorities because that gave us, obviously, the size. And I think we actually rookied Aaron Sandilands that year as well. Yep. So we're bringing in – you know, it ends up being a really productive period, but it sort of gets flavoured by all the other stuff, yeah. you know, that um, which comes with it. And it would have—I'm pretty sure it would have played out that way. That it would have been Polak. Um, I reckon we would have probably ended up doing something with four. It was—it was just a different sort of mentality that you had over picks at the time, yeah. probably. Cameron, can and I? And we had we, so we had a lot of young players yeah. too. It was a very young list. It was a you know it was a it was a team of kids really mm. at that time. We've, I'm just looking at the clock at the moment. We're about to get shoved out of here by some uh, commercial <laughs> commitments. Can I ask you, how does it sit with you 20 years later? Because you did cop some criticism from it, but hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because we're yeah. all experts in it. How does it sit with you now? And, and I'm so glad you've shed some light on it. And, and the, the thinking is absolutely sound with it. Not that you need my approval, but how does it sit with you 20 years on? 
yeah, I'm fine with it. You know, I, there's, there's trades I wish I never did, you know, over time. I was involved in a lot of trades. There's mm. some which um, which you actually were involved. And at that stage, because my background was recruiting, so, mm. and I, and, and over the next, it became less and less involved as time went on. But no, I'm, look, if you, if you had your time again, it would be different. There's no question. And, and but you, you, that's that's the, it's a very inexact process. And at that stage, you're drafting him at 17 as well. So they were younger. Um, so yeah, no. Look, I, I'm 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 relaxed with what our thinking was at the time. I think our mm. thinking was sound in regard to it all. But yeah, as it turned out, you know, there would there would have been better outcomes if we'd uh, done things a little bit differently. If we'd rolled the dice and taken Chris Judd at number one. The other thing which was hanging in on Judd a bit was there was a worry about his shoulders. As yeah, well. there was. Yep. Yeah, so that was coming into it a little bit as well. That we, we're you bring in McFarlane with crook groins, you bring in you know uh, Judd with crook shoulders, and all this sort of stuff was coming. That was all playing into it. I remember because we were we just sitting in front of whiteboards with sticky notes everywhere and trying to work it all out at the time and and uh, and we're trying to find a coach at the same time we're trying to do a lot of things you know all, all at that one in that one moment and uh, as it turns out it was a, quite a pivotal period for the Fremantle Footy Club it sort of turned itself around we made the finals two years later had never finished higher than twelfth um, so it probably worked out okay I reckon and it, played off in a grand final a few years later it, so. it's, uh, it is a great story and thank you so much for doing it with us I'm going to get chopped off here Cameron thank you so much no, I really appreciate care. it thank you so much thanks a lot uh, Cameron yeah. Schwab the first guest on our very first edition of What If the 2001 trade for the number one pick Peter Schwab's going to join us in the next hour our topic of conversation tonight though is a new segment called What If where we look at a moment in footy time and and turn it on its head and try to figure out what might have occurred, what might have the ramifications been, how might the landscape of football change if this event didn't occur. Got the idea from the Marvel show, What If? I stole their opener and everything and just inserted my name in it. It was a beautiful piece of editing. Um, so we've already spoken to Cameron Schwab, who is the CEO of Fremantle. Tonight's What If moment is what if Hawthorne and Fremantle had never agreed to a deal to trade pick one from Fremantle along with pick 20 and pick 36 to Hawthorne for Trent Crowe and Luke McFarlane. Now, Hawthorne have often said that this was the cornerstone. This was the cement slab. This was the foundation of their success for 2008's premiership, for 13, 14 and 15 to come. Because with pick one, they took Luke Hodge. And with pick 36, they took Sam Mitchell. And you don't need me to tell you their resumes and their impact. But they also took Campbell Brown in that draft. At pick 32, would they have taken him if circumstances were different? Their first actual pick that they had initially in the draft was Rick Ladson at pick 16, who they took. Would they have taken Rick, who kicked the sealer in the 2008 grand final, if they didn't get picks 1, 20 and 36? So what if Hawthorne and Fremantle never, ever did a deal for pick 1? And we'll focus in on the Hawthorne side. We've just heard from Cameron Schwab, who set the scene on what was going on at Fremantle at the time. He revealed that they were pretty sure that they were going to lose Matthew Pavlich, who asked for a trade during that period. So they were trying to find key position players. They were trying to attract big-name players to a club in its sixth year, which was floundering. They were trying to bring some profile and some buzz and some excitement. They had Graham Polak, who was taken pick four by Frio in the end. They had him rated as the number one player in the draft. So they would have taken him at pick one anyway. So... Cameron Schwab revealed a lot about what was happening for Fremantle. The coach of Hawthorne at the time is his first cousin, uh, if you don't mind that little piece of serendipity uh, and a nice little link in. Peter Schwab has been good enough to join us on the Sporting Capital. Peter, hello. Hi, Sam. How are you going? I'm really well, thank you. Hey, thanks for being a part of this 
very, very um, airy-fairy hypothesis, uh, but I really appreciate it. It is um, one of the most talked-about deals ever done um, mm. of a trade point of view or in football history, and, and it's so important to what the Hawthorne today that we know are. It, it certainly seemed like, uh, and it has been pointed to, as as a real turning point in what was happening at the club. So I'm so glad we've got you. Um, first and foremost, from a Hawthorne point of view at that time, you, you go into this 2001 draft, you've you've just missed out. Maybe a kick away mm. from a grand final berth. Trent Crowe, who is a feature player in this what-if scenario, he's hit the post against Essendon. You guys are coming late. Um, it's not to be the three-point loss uh, in the end. I actually would have made it a three-point margin if he had have kicked that goal. Um, and Essendon go on to lose the grand final to the Brisbane Lions. You come off a prelim final year, Peter. What was the thinking? What was happening for you, in your mind for you and for John Turnbull to say, you know what, we've got to do something big here? Uh, gee, Sam, you look at it now, it's, what, 20 years ago? Yes. Um, I, well, we were, we were going well. Like, we used to meet every Monday as a, as a football department, and John Turnbull was a head of recruiting at that stage and John was saying listen this this is going to be a bumper draft coming up at the end of this year mm. so I always had a little bit of interest in it for that reason that he was so bullish about the players available up the top end and um, as we got into the season it was clear that we were going better than um, what, what was needed if you like to uh, to get into the lower end of the draft but clearly we were aiming high and hoping to get the ultimate success, but it was always in our back of our mind that maybe, maybe if we could trade into a low spot, that we would get one of the three or four players that were highly rated. Um, so that was that was always just bubbling along without being a real focus until we got to the pointy end of the uh, the season, and um, really after the season, it was a conversation straight away as to, um, well, all right, how can we get picks. One, two, two or three. Do you remember the um, initial approach to, to Fremantle? Well, it was a really tough decision. We knew, obviously we knew Fremantle had the first pick, and um, there was some interest for them to trade it. Uh, we made a decision that if we were going to trade for it, we only had one player we felt could. Uh, generate that that select, you know that pick out of Fremantle, and that was Trent, which was a really um, bold move to make from a footy club's point of view to to give away Trent, or not well, fundamentally give him away for the first pick, uh, and he was still in the prime of his footy career. So it was a it was a really tough and hard decision to make, but one we felt would get us that first pick, and we felt we would get. Um, a super player from that pick. It's another what if within a what if, Pete, is is what mm. if Trent Crow doesn't hit the post and actually kicks the goal? Well, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of what ifs. <laughs> yeah, look, well, well, the ball would have gone back to the middle of the ground. We would have been in front and who knows, Essendon might have still got, you know, still got away with the, the chocolates. But um, yeah, and then what you're saying there is, well, if Trent was able to do that, how, how much harder would that have been yeah. to make that call? Look, I guess the other player that um, may have come into it was Johnny Hay, but at that point in time, we, we you know, we'd rated John above Trent, so we weren't prepared to trade on John. 
So unfortunately for Trent, he was he was the player decided upon. But it was a, it was a very internal battle within the footy club at that time to actually make that decision. I had to convince the board that that was in the best interest of the Hawthorne Footy Club to do that. And there were a lot of people who didn't agree with it, but eventually uh, the club stood, you know, by myself to make that decision, and um, we we went with it, and then we had to put it out there and then it caused a lot of angst with Trent and his management of course because we hadn't we hadn't directly gone to Trent at that point and said to him we're going to trade him we, we wanted to know whether he would capture that first pick so as you say there's a lot of what ifs and a lot of to and froing at that time in in, <clears throat> in uh, well, my career and certainly Trent's career and everyone else's how many times did this almost fall over? Um, I don't know exactly. I think I think it could have fallen over straight away, um, but there was enough interest from both parties to keep keep it alive. So obviously, the board uh, takes a lot of convincing, which which it would be fascinating to have been in those conversations because there's a point that it can be um, nipped in the bud pretty quickly, but you, you win that fight. Yeah. What about when it came to Trent? How much convincing did he need? Well, I think to be fair to Trent, when he knew that that I had done that and was prepared to do that, then I think it convinced him that if the senior coach is going to do that to you, then it's probably um, going to be a hard relationship to mend if, if you know we both don't go through with it. And of so, course, the, sorry, you go. No, no, they would say, yeah, look, I'm not denying it was a, wasn't a great thing. Uh, you know, it was a tough, tough decision. But I always talk in terms of football clubs as there is no one more important than the club itself and the decisions need to be made for the best. What? Uh, but for the football, football club, not, not for the individual. Mm. So I, I always felt it was the best decision for Hawthorne and that's the reason I discussed it at the board level. I said, I think this, I believe... This will be a, the best decision for Hawthorne. We're speaking to Peter. Otherwise, Schwab, why would sorry, I? Otherwise, why would I do it, Sam? Yeah, you know, no, absolutely, absolutely. We're speaking to Peter Schwab uh, on the Sporting Capital, the first edition of What If, and we're looking at what if the Hawthorne and Fremantle trade uh, for the number one pick in the two thousand and one draft didn't happen. So, Pete, was it that you just wanted to have that number one pick, or was it that you wanted to have Luke Hodge? No, no, it was number one pick because. Yep. Um, John Turnbull had said there's three players in his view that he needed to work through. Um, it was Luke Hodge, Chris Judd and Matthew Ball. Oh, sorry, um, Luke Ball. So then I said to John, once we made, once Fremantle had agreed, then I said to him, well, it's your call because you, you're the one who's watched these players and studied these players. You have to now do your homework and make a call and convince me and convince the footy club of which player we will take. The, the backfall in all of this was we also lost Luke McFarlane, who I never wanted to lose. Mm. So Luke had decided that he was going to go home and if we weren't trading, he would have walked in the pre-season draft. So that came as a, as a bit of a body blow for us because I didn't, because if you think about it, we were going to lose two two key position players. 
um, and neither of the top three picks were key position players. So that left us a little bit vulnerable. So Luke, to lose Luke McFarlane is not the trade out. And, of course, Trant. Uh, but Lukey was a massive loss to us because um, I rated him highly and just want to lose him. And he went on to prove that he was a great Fremantle player. Mm. And Pete, what? so let's get to the what if. So what if that deal never happens and never gets off the ground? Did you? Were you then looking to try and do a deal with you know, St Kilda for pick two or West Coast for pick three? Um, possibly. Yes, possibly. And yes, I would say we would because we we still weren't clear on which was the best of the three. So I th- I think the uh, the answer to your question is yes, we would have gone um, to the next two clubs in line to try and get two or three. We wouldn't have gone below three. Yep. So what if in that circumstance you only go to the draft with pick sixteen and pick thirty two? Now you took Rick Ladson. At pick 16, he was 60 kilos ring and wet. I'm a Bendigo boy. He's a mate of mine. He kicked the sealer in that 08 grand final, and I was absolutely wrapped. Do, do you take Rick Ladson as a, an undersized potential mid, wing, forward, ends up being a, a very, very skillful and accomplished defender, given that you, you wouldn't have got Luke Hodge at that point? And do you take Campbell Brown uh, as a defender at pick 32 because you've already got Crowden McFarlane there? So would it have affected those picks? What I can say to that is uh, we wouldn't have changed our decision on either when those two fell because yep. if if the draft unfolds, then you take the best player with your pick yep. that you think you know that comes up. So in the in the course of that draft, when pick sixteen came up, in our view and in John Turnbull's view in particular, because it was really you know reliant to Bowden Seymour, that he was the best player. So we said take him. So yes, we would have taken. And I think Rick was a standing Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Campbell was the same. We got to pick 32. We, we always had a bit of an eye for Sam Mitchell because Sam was in our system. Yeah. There, look, and, and I've said this on record and, you know, that, that there were others in the in the club who rated Sam higher than, than I did. So because when it got to pick 20, we, I wasn't prepared to take Sam at 20 and we took Daniel Elstone at that pick, and unfortunately Daniel, you know, didn't go on to play league footy. Mm. And then he got to pick thirty-two, and there was a discussion around taking Sam Mitchell at thirty-two. And at that point in time, I, I just said to John Turnbull, "Who's there?" And he said, "I'd like to take Campbell Brown at thirty. Was it thirty-two? I yep. thought it was Steve at thirty-two. And I said, well, "Look, John, if you think that he's the best player available now, then you take him." And then I was. And I think a lot more people, we were concerned, oh, will Sam get through, you know, because um, we knew there had been a little bit of interest in him. So when we got to pick, was it pick 36, we ended up with Sam, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, that's one of the great draft picks of all time. And I'm Absolutely. not claim to it because, as I said to you, I think there were people who would have taken Sam earlier. But in the end, um, we talked about it and, and, you know, ultimately you have to, you have to make a call as a senior coach. And I said, well, we'll take him. We'll take Sam at 36. And I'm forever grateful that we made that call because <laughs> he's one of, one of the greatest Thorson players ever. So, Pete, this is probably the biggest question in the what if that deal doesn't get done. 
what do you think? Do I mean it's it's so hard I know to answer, but we are just allowing ourselves our minds to wander and and to think what might have mm. been if it didn't happen. Because you, 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 the way that you went after the the in terms of trading and draft for the next couple of years is you you, you were you you brought in a few. You got you know Daniel Chick was was moved on, but you you brought Peter Everett in, and you did trade out yeah. some early picks in the next year's draft, and then um, you went to the yep. draft again in in o two. It didn't quite work out. So the the o one draft is such a catalyst. And then, obviously, what happened in 04's draft and uh, and moving forward. But t- in your mind, if that 2001 draft hadn't landed the way that it did, are Hawthorne yeah. winning a premiership in 08? Oh, it's a great unknown, isn't it? <laughs> it's a great unknown because, um, you know, where do they finish on the ladder? And, um, you know, they were probably, probably lucky in a sense in my last year we went so badly that the, the priority picks were handed out more liberally. <laughs> so Hawthorne yeah. ended up getting, what, three picks in the top 10, which would probably never happen now, the 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 uh, the way the, it's, the priorities are done. So, the other know, thing to then, too go, is, and, to uh, then uh, go and get, what, uh, Jordan Lewis, Roughhead and, and uh, Franklin yeah. in a draft to top up yeah. uh, on what was already there. Look, I, yeah, no, I know that the time one, not only was it 2-1 draft, it was a great rookie draft. I think we, you know, over the years, whether it was 2-1, we picked up Brad Sewell and um, Michael Ospin and, and Robbie Campbell. Yep, in 2000, you know, like, Out yeah. of the rookie, like, you know, that's a full credit to John Turnbull. Like, to Michael Osborne, three, yep. To get three rookies of that ability outside of the draft in reality was another key factor in the club being so, so well placed. So, you know, like I didn't get... Clearly, I didn't get the, the the benefit of you know of the of the list, but I'm happy that I left. Even though we had one bad bad year, and maybe you know Alistair had to pick up pick up for a couple of years there, mm. I I still think the decisions that were made left the club with some pretty good players. Oh, absolutely, and 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 the next two drafts are actually quite lean. In when you look at the the players that were taken, with all due respect for them, so. You know, yeah. you're right. John was 100% right that that 01 crop was as bumper as it gets and you needed to be in it um, to win it, so to speak, to use that cliche. But it was so important because the next two drafts were pretty light on uh, and mm. and you made some moves there and before 2004 uh, comes around. Um, when, mm. when, the, when the deal was, was being done, um, w- w- was there a... And I've asked you about the other picks and, and things like that and you never know what might have happened, but was... Obviously, it's such a bold, bold move to make. Was there a was there a plan B in terms of what your long term view was from a Hawthorne point of view with the list that you had if you weren't able to make the moves that you did? Um, look, I think we had a reasonable spine, you know, and um, we had a lot of you know make excuses. We did have a lot of bad luck, but. Johnny Hay at full, you know, was playing full back. Trent was playing centre half back. Nick Holland was playing full forward, or well, centre half forward. Nathan Thompson was playing full forward, and mm-hmm. had a, you know, really good player like a Johnny Barker at that third full forward. There was some, there was some good strong depth in our um, key positions. Um, after two hundred one, it didn't unfold that way because Johnny was bad. Johnny Barker was injured. Um, Johnny Hay had some real issues. Nathan Thompson had some issues, and it just sort of the, 
started to unravel. Um, but I thought we were reasonably well placed with some key positions. We always struggled a bit in the ruck. We pinched a bit there. Um, after Paul Salmon, we bought Sean Rennan, you know, you know, traded for Sean, and then we had to trade high. You know, Daniel Chipman for an early pick, and we used that pick to get Peter Everett. So we, we never we never could really find a Ruckman to develop. We had to keep going and drafting for a Ruckman so, until Robbie Campbell came on. Mm. Um, look, I think, yeah, you, you try and manage your list as best you can, but you, there's a lot of things you can't plan for, and, and a lot of those are to do with probably injuries and other circumstances that happen which you would never have probably thought. It, it it's, uh, it's wonderful to be able to have spent the last 20 minutes with you, Pete, and it is a decision, and, and I loved hearing how hard it was to get it past the board, um, and then obviously what happened to you, what you had to be able to do with Trent then to get the deal done with Freya. The whole time, your cousin's trying to take your assistant coach, uh, and yeah. things are all going on uh, in and around it, but at the end of the day... Hawthorne's last uh, two premiership captains came out of this decision and this move. It is one of the most influential and pivotal moves ever made uh, in a draft and a trade period. And it will probably live on as such, given that we've never seen a number one pick given up again. Um, So it's a wonderful piece of history that you've got. And it's fascinating to think about what might have happened if it didn't take place and where the Hawks might have been um, and where Fremantle might have been. So thanks so much for doing that with us tonight. It's greatly appreciated. Good on you, Sam. Thanks for the chat. Uh, Peter Schwab, Hawthorne coach, um, a Hawthorne premiership player as well in his own right, a a man that's done uh, so many great things for the club as a player and as a coach as well. But that is an incredible piece of legacy to leave, to have um, the, the, the conviction that that was the right move to make that call. Um, is part of an extraordinary set of circumstances in football history that we ponder what if that trade didn't go ahead. So I'd love to get your view on this. I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think might have occurred if this trade didn't happen. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. What if our first attempt at doing this tonight? Now, what if if Hawthorne and Frio never did that deal for pick one? What if Hawthorne never had picks one and 36 to take Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell? What it might have meant for Fremantle. We heard uh, from Cameron Schwab, who was the CEO at the time, that was a pivotal part of the deal getting done. And we heard from Peter Schwab, his cousin, who was the coach of Hawthorne at the time. And a couple of things that stood out to me have us to a little give us a little bit more room to talk about those two players, Luke Hodge and Sam Mitchell. So what Cameron Schwab told us was that Fremantle had Hodge ranked fifth or sixth best player in the draft. So if they didn't get the deal done, they were always going to take Graham Polak. St Kilda were always going to take Luke Ball. They had him rated number one. West Coast were always going to take Chris Judd. At pick four, Fremantle then would have had an open pick and they didn't have Luke Hodge ranked at the fourth best player as the fourth best player in the draft. He, Cameron Schwab couldn't answer whether or not they would have taken Luke Hodge because it never got to that point. But if they had him rated at fifth or sixth, then it stands to reason that Fremantle might have taken a different player in that position, which meant that at pick five, St Kilda, who took Xavier Clark, they may very well have taken Luke Hodge. And then what does that stir up in you as a Saints fan in knowing how close you got to premierships? You played in prelims um, under Grant Thomas, who was the coach at the time. He played in a couple of prelims under him. Uh, And then Ross Lyon comes along. 
and you play in three grand finals and can't win them. What would Luke Hodge have done to, to that midfield? If Because one of the things about Luke Hodge was he was always going to be a midfielder, but Alistair Clarkson asked him to make a sacrifice to say, I know you could be one of the best midfielders in the comp. And often when he went and played on the ball, which he did plenty of times, he was. But Luke, but essentially Alistair Clarkson said, I need you to be the general of our defence and I need you to play a certain role for us in defence. And he won two Norm Smith medals, Luke Hodge, doing that as we know three-time premiership captain, four-time premiership player, one of the great modern-day careers and leaders. So can you imagine Luke Hodge fitting into St Kilda, who we always thought were maybe – one of the things that used to stand out to me about St Kilda, their top end was as good as anybody's, but they got the best they possibly eat. They extracted every bit of talent out of the mid-tier. And if they just had have had maybe one more elite player, and especially in the middle – I wonder what that might have meant. I mean, we know that Luke Hodge is a big game performer. So what might he have done in those prelims that you lost? What might he have done in those grand finals that you lost as a Saints fan? It very well may ended up of being that Luke Hodge got to St Kilda because Fremantle didn't have him rated in the top five. You took Xavier Clark, who came from St Mary's, who was a, a fantastic servant to the football club. So what would have happened to Luke Hodge, one of the great modern-day careers? He may very well have found his way to St Kilda, and what might that have meant for a St Kilda team that was so close, so close to ending one of the biggest premiership droughts and getting their second flag? But what does that do to think that Hodge and Hayes in the same midfield? In that draft, by the way, St Kilda took Xavier Clark with their first pick. They took Nick Del Santo with pick 13. They took Matt Maguire, pick 21. And they took Lee Montagna at pick 37. So it was a good draft for St Kilda. Could have been even greater if, that, if the cards had have fallen differently. And for Sam Mitchell, a couple of other teams interested, Peter Schwab told us, a couple of other teams. They were always going to take Cam- – they had the choice of Mitchell or Campbell Brown at pick 32. They went with Campbell Brown. They took Sam Mitchell at pick 36. But if they didn't have that pick 36 as part of the trade with Frio, then does St Kilda still take Lee Montagna at pick 37? Where does Sam Mitchell end up? West Coast had pick 38 and took Ashley Hansen, key position. But then Carlton, who, whose first pick in this draft was pick 39, they took a guy by the name of Justin Davies who played 41 games um, for the club, uh, Shepherd and Feller. Uh, he was a small forward, a little bit of time through the middle. But would Sam Mitchell have ended up at Carlton? Geelong went key position player with Henry Playfair at pick 41. Western Bulldogs, Kieran McGuinness at pick 42. Collingwood took Mark McGough, the Anzac Day medalist, at pick 43. Could he have slipped to 43 and got to Collingwood and been an Anzac Day medalist? on debut. So that's some of the major ramifications that could have come out of this. It's a great what if, if I do say so myself, because especially after what was revealed by Cameron Schwab and Peter Schwab, and and that almost blew me away that Fremantle didn't have Hodge rated in the top five, in the top four. And that just got me thinking, well, logically then he would have gone, you'd think St Kilda would have taken Hodge in front of Xavier Clark. What might have been... When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.